Introducing the all-new Romeo y Julieta Passione. The story of this cigar dates back almost a year, during a visit to the Flor de Coupon factory in Honduras. We witnessed the endless amount of passion and love the workers put into each and every cigar. This hand-rolled cigar uses a blend of Dominican and Honduran filler tobaccos, along with a rich and flavorful binder from the US. The wrapper is a zesty Ecuadorian Habano leaf that offers up notes of pepper, leather, nuts, and a dash of cocoa. Ignite your passion and pick up a box of the Romeo y Julieta Passion at jrcigars.com. Get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. Boom, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, Smoke Night Live. It's Friday. I can't believe this week absolutely flew by. Uh, crazy fast week. I'm sitting here with my good friend Emmett Malone. Hey. Blindmanspuff.com. Emmett, how are you doing? I am great. Thanks for having me. Always excited to be here on a Friday. I like when you can come hang out with us. Uh, it's fun. We get to, uh, you know, talk about all of our great, you know, hockey uh, <laughs> horror stories and escapades you mean triumphs and triumphs. I gotta admit, last week's victory, and I don't even want to talk about it because, Ooh. you know, I'm sort of central to the story, so I feel like I'm bragging. <laughs> but it had a pretty phenomenal ending. Basically, Eric won the game. I mean, that's what it came down On his to. Birthday. I mean, he all of our <laughs> best players went first and like blew it, and then Eric was like, "I got this." Went into a in, shootout. In a shootout, yeah, it was amazing. And and we have some we have some ringers on the team. Jordan's one of them. Boom. Nobody could score. Yeah. None of the ringers Goal could score. Fire. It's my birthday. Boom. I go down there psh, off the post. Ding dong. <laughs> Nothing. In, it doesn't get better net, than that. Win and, the game. And not only that, it was like the greatest comeback. We were down like seven one and came back to win it. It was. I mean, I know there's. You know, I know there's some Stanley Cup stories out there, <laughs> you know, Ray Bork, and there's, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. But let's face it, that that was better uh, than all of those. As good as it gets, really. I mean, that I'm sure there's they're probably going to make an ESPN 3030. Most of the other teams' yeah. uh, wives divorced them after <laughs> yes. the game. It was yeah, they crazy. all. Saw, I saw one of them hanging. From, I mean, they just they were just <laughs> yeah, they, they were it, they it were in the parking lot after they were really sad, devastating, and, yeah. devastating defeat. Ah. Uh, Tonight's going to be a fun night. Before we bring on our guests, which I'm super excited to bring on, um, two of the nicest guys in the entire industry. But before we bring them on, today was a big day, Jordan. We officially announced the new Dojo 2.0 with all the new features and such. And I wanted to talk just real quickly about it. Um, I've been getting inundated today with tons of questions because it was basically, I mean, we, we went through the beta stage, then we went through the soft launch, and now we're sort of like in, in full-on launch mode, Jordan. We got a lot of questions, and the, the, the most overriding question was, uh, why isn't this in the app store? Why can't I download it as an app? So I wanted to address that uh, real quickly. So here's the thing, guys. A couple years ago, Apple decided they don't want any cigar apps in their app store, and they kicked the dojo out. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. And basically every other c- And every cigar other app. cigar app, right? So so we were able to kind of get ourselves back in by uh, removing any mention well, of cigars. We did some cigars. high-level finagling. Right. We did some finagling. Some negotiating and bribery. Some, and yeah, some negotiating and whatnot. We got ourselves back in the app store, but it put us in a very precarious position because we couldn't update that app anymore. So, like, we were in the App Store, but we couldn't change the app. Right. We were stuck, Emmett. Yep. Basically stuck. We wanted to add some features. We wanted to do this. We wanted to do that. We couldn't do any of those things because there's this hatred for tobacco. Yep. And then Google recently put out their terms of service, and their new terms of service in their App Store is also very strongly worded against cigars. Now, they haven't kicked them out yet, but it's coming. Yep, it's pretty inevitable. It is an absolute inevitability. So, uh, Jordan and I decided we need to go a different route. We can't be beholden to Apple. We can't be beholden to Google. So, we developed this app as a... Who's per- left? 
The internet. The internet. The wild west. So if we are a a a web app, so to speak, and you can turn this into an icon on your home screen and it functions exactly like an app. But if it's a web app like it is, we're not beholden to anybody. We can update, we can change, we can add features on the fly. We are not stuck anymore in this situation which I hated being stuck in. I didn't want to wake up the next morning and think, ah, it's over. There's right. no more there's and no more dojo. I kind of like it better because you can use it from your desktop and it, exactly. it expands to a big screen. It's great. I love it. Well, it's cool because like, you guys are probably used to like you save a website to your home screen and that's just kind of like a link to pull back open the web page every time you click on it. This is not like that. It's a progressive web app. So when you actually save it to your home screen, it basically becomes an app. Right. When you, you launch it, you don't see web browser stuff. It's all it's the web browser like stuff goes away. It yeah. just acts like an app. Yeah, and once so you're, once um, you're in it, you don't really know the difference. But the beauty of this is we're just in phase one, guys. We're just in phase one, and Jordan's going to play the video in, in a second to kind of introduce you to this thing. But we're just in phase two. We've got phase two. We, I mean phase one. We've got phase two planned. We've got phase three planned. Every year we plan to come out with you know, bold new features and refine the features that we already have. And some of the features are pretty exciting. Checking into cigars. You know, adding. You know, you get belts as you as you progress through this. As you as you participate, you might become a white belt. You might become a, a yellow belt and a green belt, and eventually a black belt. And if you become a black belt, <laughs> if you become a black belt, there could be a special thing coming your way in the mail. I can't say. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give up the secret. But I don't have any belts yet. I'm ashamed. Oh, that's not true. I know. You've got, got to be a white belt. Come on. I don't think I am. Right. I'm working on it. Yeah, we'll get you there tonight. Anyways, uh, the point is, there's lots of new features. Jordan, let's play the 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 uh, video real quick and uh, let people check out some of Jordan's video handiwork. A little taste. This is the new Dojo 2.0, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. So excited about this, you guys! I can't, I can't tell you. And the and the and the reception so far has been amazing. Like the the guys are getting into it; they're having fun. I feel like it. I feel like it's 2012 all over again, <laughs> and we're kind of starting out. Like I'm kind of getting to know the guys and, and a little bit better because you know you, when you start out, you know everybody's kind of like on the same level. And well, did you, you notice that in 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 that uh, little promo there? Chad Chad, our leader in the app, he was he was just like a purple belt. But now he's he's already he's a brown belt. This guy's cruising through the app. Yeah, I mean the dude is he's on fire. He's, he can't be stopped. Anyways, we're excited about that, guys. Thank you all that helped us beta test, and thanks to everybody that's a part of it already. Today has been crazy with all the new members. There's there's almost twenty five thousand members already in the dojo verse, and so if you want to participate you don't need to go to the app store or any of that kind of stuff just go take your browser on your phone or on your computer and go to dojoverse.com and boom you're in and you can start uh, participating log in to see all the features if you don't log in you can only see the timeline but if you log in you get to see the you know the the, the uh, menus you can check into cigars and all that kind of stuff you can earn brand badges you can earn all kinds of belts badges it's just it's a myriad of crazy crap it's too much going on i can't we can't even yeah, all right. tell you it all. So enough of that. We're excited. I'm glad everybody else is excited as well. And there's well. gifts. <laughs> yeah, there's animated yeah, that's gifs. That's, that's literally the best part. You mentioned <laughs> one of the one of the most popular features is replying with the animated. That's my favorite. Yeah. All right. Uh, tonight, Which don't don't say GIF, guys. Come on. No. Does anybody? Say, it's GIF. It's Do definitely it. GIF. You know, I've gotten to arguments with people on this before, and apparently throughout history, it's been acceptable to say it either way. 
I know, but it's just it's gift. Like I made the argument, you don't give somebody a Christmas gift, right? But then somebody else said, "Do you go to the zoo to see a giraffe?" Right. So yeah, but, yeah, but gift is actually in the word gift, so that is a better analogy. I know. Mm. I'm just saying, you know, there's no. And if you break the words down, what it represents, it makes more sense to say gift as well. But but Jordan is a purist. Yes. So I I'm, like to. I'm on his side. I like to play in the margins. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, hey, people that say I get ticked pe- off. People that say Jif smoke cigars too, Jordan. So that's you know that's all I can say. That's true. All right, here that's we go. Uh, let's have some fun tonight on the show. Uh, two of my favorite guys. Well, these a couple of dudes like in the industry, Emmett. There's. There's guys in this industry that just you can just instantly get along with. You just want to hang out. You just want to hang out. Yes. And tonight is one such night. It's the Casa Cuevas show tonight. And on the show, we are very excited to bring on Lewis and Alec Cuevas. Lewis and Alec, welcome to Smoke Night Live, my friends. Thanks so much for having us, guys. What, what, what a treat. What a pleasure. What an honor. Happy to be with you guys. <laughs> on the other side of the country, I might add, way, way down on the East Coast. Now, we were commenting before the show on the amazing uh, Tiki Hut. What did you call it? A Cheeky Hut? A Cheeky a Hut? Tiki Hut works as well. Okay. A Cheeky <laughs> Hut that you guys are hanging out. I mean, to me, that just says cigars and mojitos yes. all over it, right? I mean, <laughs> it sure does. And it's the reason why we're out here rather than inside when we first did our, uh, our sound check. Um, I can smoke cigars out here. And, you know, if it's raining, we're still covered, we're good. Um, it does actually lower the temperature when the sun's beaming. Uh, it's, it's pretty neat. And uh, yeah, fortunate to have it back here. It's comfortable. It's Miami. So um, you're sitting there with your son, Alec, who is a part of the company now. And if I'm not mistaken, this is five generations of the Cuevas family in the cigar business. Alec, uh, you're, you're new to this. And I don't know if you've been on many shows yet. I know we talked to you at IPCPR, and I think Emma interviewed you yeah, as well. Yeah, you were one of the first people. Yeah. But but Alec, uh, you know, welcome to the cigar business. We're, we're glad to have you in this business. You are a, uh, you know, you're the next generation, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, the, the one thing that I absolutely adore about this industry is, frankly, the fact that it's so small and that everybody gets along with one another. So it's just a pleasure to be in the industry. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because um, recently, Emmett, we went to a uh, Espinosa uh, cigar event in Las Vegas, right? So we just walk in and they're having like an interview and whatnot. And there's Lewis. He's in there just hanging out, supporting Eric Espinosa. Like, you're right, Alec. Like, this, the industry does support one another. And we all like to see other guys succeed. It's not just all about. You know, our own success. I like to see Emmett succeed. I, I know you guys like to see Espinosa and the other guys succeed. Like, we seem to root for one another, yet all try to, you know, do the best we can for our own company as well. But we kind of root for one another. Yeah, and, and, and I've always been partial to the idea that, um, you know, what I want to do is be part of someone's humidor, not be the only cigar they smoke. And uh, if I'm part of that rotation, then that leaves room for my fellow manufacturers of the brands and that's that's what it's all about right uh, uh I, I don't drink the same bourbon all the time i don't drink the same scotch all the time i don't drink the same ipa all the time so why should someone smoke the same cigar all the time um there even there, there, there's room in my refrigerator for different things and in my my liquor cabinet there's room in people's humidors for different things as well so why why not sit there and support each other there's as I said, and redundantly, there's room, right? So that, that's always been my theory. It really has, and, and, I, and, I, and I live by that rule. I get bored of smoking my own stuff and have friends like Eric in the industry, for example. Yeah, I, I, I love smoking his stuff. I think Spinoza cigars are, f- are phenomenal. I think they're great cigars, and um, I enjoy them. I enjoy them regularly, I might add. They're so, wonderful cigars. Yeah, there we go. Alec, did you always know that you wanted to be part of the family business, or was there a time growing up you were like, no, I'd, I want to be a baseball player or something else, or did you always want to be in? You know, uh, this is, uh, it's interesting. When I was very young, and my dad can attest to this, I had this notion growing up. I loved watching Animal Planet. Uh, it was just, <laughs> it really grew on me as I was a young, uh, young kid. I just, I loved it. I just loved learning about the animals. So I was, as, as I was growing up, I'd go to my father and I'd be like, I want to be a zookeeper. And my father would look at me and be like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. And it just kind of, as I grew up, I realized that I liked more things than just 
animals alone. Uh, I had more other interests and a lot of that went into the cigars. When I was younger, we would take trips over to our old factory, I should say, and I would be there at the bottom packaging up cigars at a young age. Um, and I just fell in love with it, the knack of it, the aroma, just all of it. Uh, and it all kind of hit me at once. So growing up, New Year's came around the corner. I was much older at this point. I was about 17. And my grandfather looked over at me and says, hey, have you ever had an actual cigar? And I was like, no, I, truthfully, I haven't. I mean, I've been surrounded by it all my life, but I've never really picked one up. And he says, well, this is the first one you can pick up. Here you go. And he gave me the prototype for what is now our Um, I couldn't finish it. And it made me extremely <laughs> queasy. So that's my first story okay. on my first ever. <laughs> but ever since then, I've just been... All right, oh, let's awesome. let's love- let's have a cheers to Alec because it was his birthday, like uh, either yesterday cheers, or the day buddy. before. I all right. Before you, sir. So yeah, was, cheers, cheers. Uh, hey, happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Thank and by the way, happy birthday you. to you. Yeah. I didn't realize it was yesterday, Eric. Well, it was a couple days ago, but yeah, I mean, it was. It was but hey, thank you. Appreciate that. Hey, uh, last old news. Oh, by the way, yeah, <laughs> very I mean, old news. No, you don't want to. You don't, you don't want. You don't want to know the details. So you don't want to know the details. Shut up, Jordan. Um. Now, hey, Lewis, I don't know if you got to see our show last week, but uh, Rafael Nadal was on, and he okay. told the most charming, just emotional story about you know fleeing Cuba when he was 16 years old, and it was it was just it was really amazing, and it's so cool that the very next week we have you guys on because your family has such a rich history in the cigar industry. From you know way 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 back, and then eventually going to the DR. Maybe you can give folks a sort of Reader's Digest version of the family history to bring us up to date. Tell people about how you got to where you are with the family, because these stories of you know Cubans that have you know battled so hard to remain in the industry and finding a way to make it in another country to me are just so fascinating. Like I've never. In my life, like the hardest things that I've had to deal with would be like, you know, like my alternator went out of my car. You know, it's, <laughs> it's such a lame story, you know, but you guys have these stories of trial and tribulation. Give us a little bit of background on the Cuevas family. Well, I, I, I can't compare to, to Rafael because I, I left Cuba when I was four years old. Um, my, but backing it up a little bit, uh, my great-grandfather leaves Spain. Uh, there was strife in Spain in the 19th century, winds up in... Uh, you know, the Rio Cuba, which is the westernmost portion of the island, tobacco country. They were farmers by trade in Spain. So him winding up in another, I guess, atmosphere that, that deals with farming was, I guess, appropriate. So he starts with tobacco. My grandfather takes it over and really grows it into a very successful and thriving business. 1959, uh, Fidel comes and confiscates everything, takes everything away. And then the flight begins, right? So... Uh, during that interim, my, my father and uh, four of his brothers have been political prisoners. Uh, my, my dad has been through through quite a bit. Um, and we were able to fortunately make it to the United States in 1970. Uh, 71, I believe, was a year because I was five. We were a year in Spain and then came over here. He reinvents himself um, and does very well here, of all things, doing an air conditioning business. Um, and and let, let me say this on, on September 11th, the, the opportunities given my, my father and his brothers and all my family, um, a lot of whom are first generation Cubans, um, to, to thrive in this phenomenal country only comes because it is this country. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. That's my, my two cents. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. No political comment there, but it, I mean that wholeheartedly. So he starts here and then one of, my, one of his brothers comes and says, hey, listen, I, I think we should do what dad and, excuse me, my grandfather had done over there in Cuba. So they start a factory in Dominican Republic. This is in the 80s. And what my dad essentially was doing, because he had his own business here, was financing that. I would spend my summers over there. He'd go back and forth. And my uncle was there all the time. Um, they were there when the 90s hit and when the boom hits. And uh, I got to give credit to uh, Carlos Tarano Sr., who was just really instrumental in, in, in building up that factory. And, and at, at, at the height of the boom, they were making cigars for everybody. And it was really, really cool experience. And then um, in the early 2000s, they, they, they go their separate ways. 
and uh, in 2009, I went to my dad and I said, listen, Pops, I know you're thinking I'm coming back and just kind of, you know, retiring. I said, I'd, I'd like to give this a crack. I'm an only mm. child and it's a shame because it's three generations in with me. It's four. And so we, we started that uh, endeavor and um, it, it was it's been going really well ever since. And three years ago, I launched a brand, which is a whole different facet from having the, the factory. But there you go. It sounded like War and Peace. I meant to be Reader's Digest. I apologize. No, I, that's that's exactly what I was hoping for. But I think the thing that caught my ear in that was that you said you were five and seventy-one. That makes me and you almost the same age. Why do you look so so young? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I look at least twenty years old. It's older. a hair. It's a hair. What it is? Okay. <laughs> it's a hair. And you know. <laughs> no, I, I I really appreciate this the story that's always so fascinating to me. So so now you have the factory in in Santiago in the Dominican Republic, and uh, a lot of people don't realize how many of the cigars that they probably smoke that you guys produce. And now I mean, people realize now we're getting to realize the Casa Cuevas brand, but you guys produce. Uh, many of the popular cigars that people smoke, they just maybe don't realize that it comes from your factory. Yeah, it's it's been a good haul. I mean, it's been a, like I said. I mean, d- during during the time that I was not really into it 100, percent we were um, th- th- not me necessarily, but my my family was producing cigars for Dunhill, Peterson of Dublin, Villiger at one point, uh, obviously Gurkha, uh, Torano. Um, who am I missing there? That's that's a that's a pretty big name that may or may not be anymore. Yumuri, Vuelta uh, Bajo. Um, let me think. La Perla Habana. Uh, once upon a time was a just an amazing cigar, and, and Doug Wood in California is the one that owned that brand. And I know he sold it to to CI. So, yeah, I mean the the family's been around producing for for quite a bit and quite a long time. Sam Lucia, the Sam Lucia Black was was made at our at our factory. Mm-hmm. If you guys remember yep. that with mm-hmm. the. Uh, that was a great cigar. Lo- that was like the yeah, cigar that introduced us all to the fire care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, we've been around for a bit. Now uh, we produce – It's it's it, the circle has gotten smaller, right? So we produce for Vicarious now. Uh, if you guys are familiar with them, they're out of Ohio. Right, right. Um, solid little company. Uh, Bowtie Cigars, small, small company. And then the, the bigger ones, we still do stuff for CI. We still do a lot of stuff for Gurkha. Um, and then we we do stuff for ourselves. So we've been focusing on on our brand now for the last three years, and you know uh, it's a marathon. It's definitely not a not a five k or a sprint, but uh, <laughs> we're in it for the long haul, and it's it's been great. And by the way, in no small part, the thanks to people like you folks who have really helped us be on the map and get on the map and get noticed, and that doesn't get lost on me or on Alec. So your your family started out more like in the agricultural side of tobacco, and, yeah. and then kind of progressed into, you know, the manufacturing. Uh, Correct. Uh, is there anything today that you're still involved with agriculture? Do you have any active, you know, tobacco fields that you that you own or, or work with specifically? You know, you know what, Emma, that's a great question. The, uh, the answer is no. Uh, my, uh, my dad and my uncle did have quite a few acres of tobacco. Um, eventually that was sold and, and that was done. But I, I think ultimately processing tobacco, when we buy raw tobacco straight from the fields in the Dominican Republic exclusively, I might add, um, is something that my father's really good at. When we were in our prior factory, we had the room to be able to do that. We don't have that luxury anymore. The, the, the factory that we have now is completely just dedicated to production. Um, and truth be told, even if we were growing tobacco in the DR, honestly, what th- the best we could do would be a portion of our filler and uh, perhaps some binder. Um, we're, we're, we're not in a position to grow wrapper, let's say like Fuentes is or his opus. Uh, and, and, and our cigars are a, uh, a blended scotch, if you will, right? It's not a single malt. So you, you'll have four or five different regions within that cigar anyway. Um, so unless we were parlaying that into a business where we would sell that processed tobacco to other companies so they could then turn it into their cigars, it really doesn't make a whole lot of financial sense to to buy land and grow tobacco. Sure, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The DR really, it's a lot of filler more than anything else, and and our filler is just a, a small portion of everything else we have in our cigars. That the ones you guys are smoking, the ones we're smoking right now. 
All right, so uh, Jordan, we're going to take the quick commercial break midway through the show already, and then when we come back from the commercial, we're going to get into the Casa Cuevas brand and the genesis of that. What was you know the idea behind it? Where did they see themselves in the marketplace, and all that kind of stuff, and the challenges that have have come about. We know that there's some some real challenges, a couple of really interesting ones as well. But this show, folks, is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, including the brand-new exclusive Romeo and Julieta Passion. Don't forget to check out their social media pages, including YouTube, where they feature cigar reviews, interviews, and their famous weekly top five videos. Check out JR Cigars for all of your premium cigar needs. Emmett, this is episode 260 of Smoke Night Live. We're here with uh, my friend Emmett from Blind Man's Puff, as well as Lewis and Alec Cuevas from Casa Cuevas, episode 260. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Let's continue on with the journey. Wait, hold on. We got an audience question. Oh, audience Ooh, question. Bring better. It. We got uh, Patrick Larkin. What, uh, what is both of your favorite, personal favorite Casa Cuevas cigars? Mm. Go ahead, sir. The Reserva Natural for me. Um, I'm a huge fan of Connecticut's, and I believe if you are a smoker, you've had to have started somewhere. There's many individuals that go for Maduro's. They go for the heady, uh, what are uh, chest breakers? They go for the chest breakers <laughs> off the bat. But I started off, like I said, with with a chest breaker. Um, but I kind of worked my way into Connecticut's, and I fell in love. Uh, I think it's wonderful. It's a nice morning smoke. It could be an everyday smoke, but with the Reserva Natural, it's a Connecticut with a kick. It's a really, it's a smoker's Connecticut to put it into words, to put it into a phrase. It's a lovely cigar. I, I, I adore it. That's the first cigar I tend to hang out, uh, I tend to hand out more so than not. Alec, that's sort of interesting because like a younger dude like you, you know, you might think would be like the Maduro kind of guy, you know, the younger guys want the stronger stuff. And I found in my own cigar journey, like cycling like you know like after a while like my palate i want something stronger and stronger or maybe darker darker whatever and then i kind of come back mm -hmm. to the connecticut's jordan i know we've kind of gone through these cycles like right now like i'm in and i love connecticut's you gotta like, come back to the connecticut i there's something about finding that you know that complexity in the connecticut and they're so good right now there's so many really good connecticut yeah. cigars it does seem yeah. like the golden age yeah. of connecticut's and cameroons mm -hmm. you first start smoking them just cuz they're mild but then when you come back you find that level of complexity that you had missed the first time around right all right let's go to lewis what uh what's your favorite of your brand lewis and then we'll ask I've, you about your brand i've got to say it's uh it's neck and neck with la mandaria and uh, the uh, Maduro from our Reserva line, I think those are the two that I, I really, really enjoy the most. Um, and I listen, I mean, I like the entire line. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I don't like our 60s. I, I don't like 60 gauges. Uh, we came out with a 60 because you have to have a 60 in your line. Uh, there's certainly a, a segment of the public out there that loves them. I just don't like a larger gauge than a 54. It's, it's just not my thing. So it's not the cigar itself, it's it's the gauge. Whether it's a Maduro or whether it's an Habano or a Connecticut, it's just not my 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 preference. But if I had to choose a cigar that I'd go to every day, like you know, the usual adage if you're on an on an island and you had to take something with you and smoke it forever and ever, what would it be? Um, at this point I would probably say the uh, La Mandaria, I think, is my is my Ooh. my and and it was interesting that how that came about. We'll get to that I guess eventually. That but is, is a phenomenal Jordan. That's the oh, phenomenal. Wait a minute, guys. <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> phenomenal. There we go. Phenomenal cigar. By the way, that cigar will be featured on Flavor Odyssey in just a few weeks. Nice. That's yeah. a great cigar. That's it, your it really strongest is. cigar, right? That is our strongest cigar. And, and and the idea behind it was, well, it came about because it came about. I don't know if you guys want to get into the whole robbery thing, but the idea behind it was to make it. You can't call a cigar the sledgehammer and make it uh, really, really soft. It just kind of defeats the purpose, right? So the idea was to make it strong but be subtly strong. It's like uh, you're smoking it, you're sitting down, then you get up, and you go, whoa, I'm a little lightheaded. It, it got to <laughs> me. I, I didn't expect it, and I, I think we achieved that with it. So it, it's not you're smoking it right off the get-go, and it's, it's quite bitter and harsh and strong. It doesn't work that way. By the way, there's a market for all that, too. It just wasn't what we were aiming for. 
So let's get into the idea of uh, creating your own brand and trying to market your own brand. Like, there's been some very successful stories uh, as of you know the last few years. You have Placencia that was did a very successful job of creating their own brand and making it popular. Obviously, Aganorsa Leaf mm-hmm. did the same thing. There, there are challenges, though, I would imagine, in, in going from a factory that's making you know, predominantly just cigars from, for other companies and then deciding you know, to do your own brand and try to market your own brand. Walk us through that. What was the impetus of the idea? Like, uh, why did you decide to do that? Was it something that you just longed to do forever or was it you know, something that you needed to do for the business sake of it? Just kind of walk us through what made you decide to say, hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna go hard with our own brand and try to make something of a Casa Cuevas brand. It, it, it was it was threefold, right? It's a it's a three prongs, I guess. Answer number one was I always longed for it. I, I I wanted to do it. I thought it was important for us to do it. Number two, the FDA way back when said if you don't launch a cigar prior to 2016 October whatever it was, um, you're not gonna be able to do it which obviously things have changed, but that was the, the rule and the fear back then. Um, and then number three, uh, there's very little value in a factory. And, and here's why, right? Uh, a, a factory will, will sit there and uh, make cigars for X brands. Those brands either can A, opt to go to another brand, I'm sorry, another factory, or B, maybe just sell and, and disappear. So the, the, the main value that you have really is in that brand. And I really was looking forward in terms of business-wise that we needed to have a brand that was established going forward. But ultimately, it's what I always wanted to do. And, um, you know, we were pushed into it and we did it. And we're still in baby stages, right? Year three was in the middle of COVID. It was April. Uh, it was a stumbling block. And, you know, it, it was a bit of a setback, but... You know, we're doing the best we can with it. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that that's a challenge because a you have to, uh, you know, your your allegiances to the companies that you're making product for, obviously, and making sure that they're getting the top quality cigars. But then at the same time, you're trying to you know promote your own brand. What are some of yeah. the the hardest challenges in in creating your own brand? Like, can you? You kind of step us through like the hardest parts and maybe some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome in in you know uh, branding and as far as marketing and distribution of the product uh, to make your own brand. Yeah, you know what I, I uh, I'll tell you this: uh, creating cigars for people in a factory is much much easier than having a brand and launching it. It's it just is. So if um, Mr. X comes to me and says, I want to make a cigar, uh, the way you normally work it is they'll fly to the factory, they'll stay three or four days, we blend away, uh, he has an idea what his palate, what he's looking for, and then we agree on pricing and production begins. Uh, launching a brand and, and getting it out there and having people choose your cigar amongst so many good cigars, I think it's a, it's a cigar smoker's time right now. I think everybody's putting out the best they, very, they, they can. In, in the 90s when the boom was going, Certainly, cigars were not at their optimum level, right? Uh, everything was being made and smoked, and really quality didn't matter as much. Now, I think cigar smokers are more careful. They're 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 more uh, they're they're pickier about what they like and what they don't like. So everybody stepped up their game, and so to go into a, a humidor that is fully stocked and take up shelf space is quite a challenge. And when no one knows you. It's even a much of a greater challenge. So, you know, that was, I think, the hardest thing. It's been the hardest thing. And then, of course, you want to make a cigar that doesn't taste like anything else you're making in that factory. And the question arises, why haven't you made that for other people? Mm. And, 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 and the answer, obviously, is, is simple. It really is. They haven't chosen that blend before. It's come, it's come before them. They've had an opportunity to taste it, um, I'm sure, because you can only fit so much tobacco in a 6x50. Right. Uh, you can only do that to, to some degree uh, before you plug the cigar. I mean, so you, you can come up with a billion blends, but you can only put so much tobacco in it before you plug it. So 
trying to keep that and, and trying to keep that honesty so that you're not stepping on any other brand's toes when you're making or you have made so many other brands is a bit of a challenge and has been a bit of a challenge because um, tobacco continues to be tobacco. Uh, so that that's that really wasn't quite as tough, though, as the marketing aspect of it. That's been an uphill climb all the way. And we've got, I got to give a, a shout out to Creativus Group. I've got to give a shout out to Umberto Arias from Cigar Package Design, who designed the logos and all the other stuff that we have on during the colors of the boxes and everything else. So that's helped. And, uh, you know, you know, having some connections in the industry, like a Jack Tarania, who's helped me tremendously get my foot in the door. Um, Gabriel Alvarez, who worked with me for, for quite a bit for a couple of years and, and had two other brands under his belt before he came to me. So. Listen, it's, it's it's not something you do on your own, but, but still, it's it's a challenge to get a consumer who spends his hard-earned $10 or 20 or 15 whatever it may be, or 200 for a box, and says, I'm going to choose your cigars over the one that I've always been smoking for the last few years. Um, and, and, I, and I understand that. Thank you for, for taking an op- a chance and giving us the opportunity to, to be part of your rotation, to be part of your humidor. To be something that you uh, you're willing to spend your hard-earned money on. One of the so. thing, one of the things I think that you did that was uh, really genius, Lewis, it was you know right off the bat you came out with you know the Connecticut, the Habano, and the Maduro. They mm. were very affordable. It was an easy to understand line, and that's that's this is one of my bugaboos, Emmett. Is like when companies come out with this, come out with that, you don't really understand like where it fits right, in right. the line. <clears throat> and uh, Lewis, you guys did a great job of of giving us a understandable line, a very quality cigar. By the way, I got a shout-out to uh, Scott uh, Braband at Trinity Cigar Lounge. He carries Casa Cuevas, and it's one of his best sellers because, because it is a affordable cigar that's just solid every single time. Was there... Was this the part of the process of saying mm-hmm. where we are going to come out with this line? It's going to be understandable. It's going to be affordable. We're going to ease people into it, and then we'll worry about the fancy stuff later. Or was there a question? Maybe we should come out with some sort of crazy twenty dollars stick right off the bat. Like, how, no. why did you decide to come out with the three the way you did? I, I did my research on it, right? So we looked for the the three best selling sides in the United States, and they were a robusto, a toro, and a gordo, solid. And then the three best-selling rappers in the U.S. And we were talking about Connecticut's earlier. That is still the best-selling rapper in the U.S. hands down. It is what it is. I mean, I know we all talk about because we're all smokers and we're all talking about maybe the darker rappers. But ultimately, you guys may remember this for years, Macanudo was number one. And that is about as mild and as a bland or benevolent cigar as you can you can have, right? Um, so we, we knew that we wanted – Something that was easy to market and then price points. Again, I did some homework on them and I thought as a consumer, I mean, would I be willing to try a new brand and spend $20 on that new cigar? Um, Yeah, the the margins are better for me. They're better for the store. Uh, But ultimately, are they better for the consumer? And the answer is no. And another thing we did was we waited two years before we launched the Reserva line. And I haven't launched anything new this year, and something will be launched in December. But again, I'm waiting a good long time before we launch anything new. I, I like I like the cigars to get some legs under them. I, I want them to traction. get well-known. Yeah, to get some traction, Alec, exactly. And once they do that, then we move on. So I've always looked at this, again, I mentioned it earlier, the... Uh, it, it, it's it's a marathon, very much so. Uh, it, it's It's not a sprint. So... That's that. That was the thinking for for a long a lot of the way we uh, we we thought of how to how to develop the cigars, what price points we were going to move them at, uh, the wrappers we were going to use, the sizes we were going to sit there and put forth, the packaging even was, was part of that. It, it, they're color coordinated. They're easy to spot. You you can you can differentiate all of it very right. easily. That was the idea. Yeah, so, so yeah, thought went into it. It wasn't just happenstance. No, that's pretty genius because uh, you know the the whole idea of it is a, a good salesman, you know, a good cigar salesman. He can go into a million shops and he can get if he's good, he can get your brand in there. No, sure. no problem. But it's 
you know, the reorders, like moving it. Are people going to buy it? Are people going to smoke it? Like that's a that's yeah. another animal entirely. And that's kind of what you're talking about is 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 appealing to the consumer in a way where they they will try the brand, they will smoke the cigar, they might, you know, move it off the shelf and then become familiarized with that brand and eventually become, you know, a fan of the brand. Yeah, I mean, really, where where everyone makes money, meaning the shop and and us as a as a a brand and the factory itself for producing that brand uh, is on the reorders. Yeah, you can get it there initially, but if no one reorders, you really gain nothing, right? Uh, so th- that's part of it, and that's where the cigars have to stand on their own, because we can do an event and I can get the cigars in somebody's hand because we're running a special. Let's say uh, you you come in, we're doing a cut and light, and you get a three and one. So hell, what you know, you'll do it, right? So you get your three cigars, you meet the owner, I talk to you about it, uh, you, you like the story behind it, you, you like me, you like my son, whatever, boom, and you try them. And then you think they're trash. So what what has been gained? I've gained nothing. I get 25% discount on cigars, you're gonna give away to people that you don't care for. So uh, it's 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 not a, a positive thing. They have to stand on their own. The question is. Will that consumer give it a shot? And if, if you get to a, to a shop and they bring them in and they put them on the shelf and no one's ever heard of the brand, are they going to go for it because it looks pretty? Are they going to go for it because the price point's okay? Well, there's a lot of cigars that they recognize that look just as pretty and do have that price point. So what's going to set yours apart? Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned the Reserva line. I, I personally love the Reserva line. I would, I would pick up that one. Uh, over the Coraline, you know, for my personal taste, and I don't mind spending more on cigars. How how do you find those sell numbers wise in comparison to the original line? Do you find that more people are willing to to spend more now that you have more of an established brand, or yeah. is it kind of a, yeah, yeah, a slow yeah. road? Yeah, yeah, it, it was a slow road. It's been a slow road. I mean, the Coraline still moves more than the Reserva line, and uh, part of the struggle that that I had going to events when we had everything there at a shop that was carrying all of it from the core line to the reserva line. Part of the struggle was I wanted to sell the reserva line because it was my baby, it's my new baby, and I'm so proud of it. Um, but I didn't want to take away from the core line. So I had this, this dilemma, it was an inner struggle of, Jesus, but I love the core Abano, or rather I love the core Maduro very much, Please try the Reserva Maduro. You're going to like it more. Well, I feel like I'm shortchanging myself. Mm, right. And that was, you know what I mean? That was rough. But I'll tell you what, answering your question directly, La Mandaria came out. It's our most expensive cigar by far. And we sell the heck out of it. So I don't think we would have been able to sell, uh, essentially, depending on what part of the country you're from, but from 12 and up per stick, that cigar if we had not established ourselves a good foundation with Casa Cuevas and the core line. So people trust the brand and then they're willing to sit there and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this cigar at this price point for three, four or $5 more than I was paying for the other cigars, but I'm still going to give it a go. And that's, it's been going so well that initially it was a limited edition. Now it's part of our core line. Now we're expanding into Matafina with it. So oh. it, it's, it's been a home, it's been a home run. Yeah, you mentioned the the La Mandaria. That's that's such an interesting story. Like I feel like it was almost a blessing in disguise because it's, it's obviously a horrible thing that happened the the robbery and but I feel like you guys got a lot of press and attention because of that and a really good cigar came out of it. How do you how do you view that looking back? Oh, absolutely. Just same way you do. I mean, I mean, I it, it was it was a bittersweet. It, yeah, it was bittersweet. It was bittersweet. It was bittersweet. And it you know, yeah, we got we got robbed. We got we got wiped out. Um, everything was gone. These uh, Flacco limited edition cigars that we had, the boxes had been numbered. If you guys don't know the story, these guys, uh, January of 2019, February 11th of 2019 to be exact, uh, we had just uh, purchased a warehouse in December. And a shout out to my cousin Rene, who is a real estate attorney and did the closing for us on, on that property. Um, he's sitting across from me right now. So <laughs> they, 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 uh, these seven guys, in the course of five hours, broke into our warehouse through the back. What they did is they took a sledgehammer, which is what Mandaria means, broke in through the wall, um, and then cut into the humidor, which is juxtaposed against that wall, and essentially wiped us out. Um, it took that long, A, because they ran into rebar, 
B, they were spooked a couple of times. I know this because I got everything on camera. I saw it all. I couldn't see their faces, but damn it, we saw the whole thing play out. (laughs) (laughs) How often do you watch that tape, Louis? I get angry. I, I try not to, although the other night, the other night, actually last night, my wife and I were going through our video recordings on our, our DVR thing, whatever, on on our cable, and uh, I find these weird. I go, why do we have this from, and it was local news channels, and I, I got on them, and there I am talking about the robbery. They're showing the gigantic hole and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, they take everything, but the thing that hurt the most were those limited edition 7x43 flacos. Those boxes had been numbered. There were 500 Maduros, 500 Abanos. They came out of sequence to us. So I had no idea if Eric had bought box 72 or 500 of the Maduros and Emmett had bought, you know, box 42 or whatever. And, you know, Jordan had bought the other box. So I couldn't in all, and they're 10 count boxes, right? They're very pretty, very loud. And in all, just fairness or honesty, go ahead and remake the same boxes again when you had bought a particular one or particular number. I couldn't do that. And I couldn't, not in good conscience. So those were lost. How do we come up with something to make up that difference? The others we could replace, and we did. So my, uh, my son says, let's, if we're trying to turn this into a positive, let's um, come up with a pun on this. Go ahead, you can tell the story. Because... Uh, well, as it was all going on, I was actually, because I am also a full-time student at Florida International University, I was in the midst of class when my father reached out to me and said, hey, listen, there was a break-in at the warehouse. So I remember leaving class. I got over there. Um, news stations were there, and we were taking a look at the whole scene. And it was me, my father, and Gabriel at the time. We were all sitting there wondering how we were going to kind of recoup, in a sense. And then I was thinking, and considering they broke into the back with the sledgehammer, we wanted to make a pun on it kind of come out with something a little bit stronger, which was something we were fiddling with back in the day. Um, I thought, why not call it Sledgehammer? And then we decided to change the name to Mondaria because that's what it means in Spanish. And so far, it's been wonderful for us. It's been excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like when we, I can just imagine like Lewis watching like his home movies. You know, like Here, here's Alec when he was a baby, and then oh, here's the seven guys breaking into the <laughs> breaking into the warehouse right there. But um, so like, I mean, I know you you turned you turned a negative into a positive, yeah, and yeah. and that was genius of you guys. And by the way, the cigar is absolutely phenomenal. So good. It's a fantastic cigar. Yeah, but um, phenomenal in that in that process, you know, like. Th- thinking of how it was all going to go down like this has happened a few times to other companies alec bradley yes. fuentes and and coots and a few others like it, it, yeah uh it, this has got to be like at the moment lewis like when it's all going down like devastating to you i mean you're probably thinking like oh my gosh like this how will we ever recoup you guys did a fantastic job doing it and now you're You've turned that into a regular line extension, and you're expanding distribution. So it's only been a short time, you know, a year and a half or whatever since then. It seems like you guys have been able to just, you know, power through and do what you have to do to make, you know, the best of a bad situation. Absolutely. I mean, that's always been the idea. And I remember calling my father and uh, telling him what had happened. And my dad said, listen, you know, by the end of the week, we're going to have a product over there. Uh, kind of lick your wounds, and we're going to get to it. And and I, and I got to say this: if I did not have the factory with my father, um, that would have been the end of my business, yeah. right? I mean, let's be honest: uh, it, it, the the second batch of cigars that we got from that factory, from our factory, they were they were free essentially. I, I didn't pay for them. Uh, the the boxes were already there in existence. The bands were in existence. The cigars, yeah, they they cost us money as the factory, but we work independently, right? So the factory sells the cigars to Casa Cuevas. Casa Cuevas pays the factory for those cigars, right? It's two independent en- uh, entities. And if I had to sit there and fork out that capital to restart again, it, it was going to be a-, a death blow to us. Yeah. And uh, we-, we didn't have insurance, which is stupid of me. We had just bought the, uh, the premises in December. We had moved in after fixing everything up in January. And... Uh, Three weeks later, we're, we're getting broken into. I hadn't even put fire extinguishers, which is the reason why I hadn't called an insurance company to come and look and all that nonsense. 
I, I was dragging my butt and it, it, it bit me. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, we, we came out uh, on the other side pretty well. Uh, I, I think Lamandari would not have been born and never come up with that name or anything else similar to that ever. And it was it was it was pretty cool. I mean, we, we've been we've been very, very fortunate, very, very fortunate. So a two part question to follow up. Do you now okay. have uh, guarding your your warehouse? Do you now have like a robotic uh, machine gun type apparatus? <laughs> Yes. And uh, Walter part, White part, style. Part two. Uh, did you ever try? Did you ever find anybody selling like you know second right. cigars? Yes. Did, did anyone ever you know try and do guys, anything with it? Is there has there been a has there been any break in the case? No, you know what, guys. Yeah. Uh, the, the answer is is no, and and it's nothing. And it's, the first the they first just smoked them all, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they, they tried yeah. one, and they're like, take, we're going to sell these things, but take a wait a minute, these things are good. <laughs> they smoked the whole batch. If, if you if you watch if you watch the uh, yeah, I know. Just pick up my guard dog. I have him out here. He's uh, he weighs all of three pounds. If if you if you if you look at it, we had alarm systems everywhere. It's uh, it's a where I don't know if I'm freezing on you guys. It looks like we're freezing. A little bit. You guys hear you. A little bit. I think you're getting the text messages now and then, but that's all right. Keep going. Um, the, the warehouse has a bay door, a front door to the office, and a back door to an alleyway. All of that is alarm. There was alarm from day one. There are cameras inside from day one. There are sensors from day one. The humidor, to get to it, my thinking was you go in through the big bay door, you go in through the front door, you go to the back door. Uh, even if you go in through the roof, you're still going to trigger something. Well, these cats knew enough to break in through the humidor. And they never opened up the humidor door. They worked in the darkness. Obviously, they had a flashlight or whatever. And they wiped me out. Now, there's sensors throughout the humidor itself. So the humidor itself is alarmed inside as well as outside. Um, and it, it's hindsight's 2020 for all of it, right? I mean, w w w what are you going to do? Um, it's it's, part of the it's painful, yeah. but it is what it is. All right, so uh, that that is an interesting story. I mean, we've kind of, we've we've heard this story from your guy, from your company, other companies, and it always blows my mind. Like, you know, what happens to the product? Yeah, what do you do with afterwards? I have, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm not a criminal, so I yeah, don't. You know what? I, I think they wanted to maybe unban them and do whatever they want to do with them. We uh we got word out through social media and, and local TV stations. We're on just about every local TV station here, um, and. We never found a, a thing, but the evening of the robbery, the way these guys did it, and it was not their first rodeo. I mean, they were so organized. Slightest. Um, they took everything out into the alleyway, and it was pouring, pouring rain. It was raining cats and dogs. Mm. It was brutal. So all that product sat out there for hours on end. Why? Remember, they had the rebar and had an electrical tube going through, so it had a very small window to work through. So it was a couple of boxes at a time, and they're sitting in the rain. And I know you're saying, well, they're shrink-wrapped, they're in boxes. One thing is being waterproof, and another thing is being water-resistant, right? And uh, the, these were just getting drenched. Then you got to take them to a particular location. Now we're all over the news. They're probably not very well kept. It's a billion degrees if you stick them in a warehouse somewhere. Uh, so I think that the cigars probably spoiled at some point. I hope they did. Uh, I've, I've never, never, ever heard anything of it. And last point I'm making, the detective on the case, when he finds out we don't have insurance, so insurance fraud is out of the question, says to me in a moment of honesty, listen, man, I've got a stack of cases that is as tall as this building. Nobody got shot. Nobody got hurt. Um, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it, if I get to it, but Chances are I'm never going to get to it. So. Right. That's the same story they told me when my bike got stolen. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a Pee Wee Herman type situation. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get on to our last topic of the night. Uh, family business. Like, the dojo is a family company. I work, hey, yes. I work with Jordan every day, full time. We as do this full time. As much as we hate it. Uh, Alec. <laughs> Alec, I'm curious now that you're part of the company. Uh, what are some of what are some of the the best things about working with your dad, and what are some of like the worst things about working with your dad? And then I'll ask Lewis the same question in <laughs> reverse about working with Alec. You know, I would have to say, and it might sound a little bit silly. I'm going to start off with, I guess, one of the hardest things would be composing emails. <laughs> um, it, it, 
this man, he was he was uh, he was an English professor uh, at at Florida International. No, no, I was an English teacher at that school. Uh, it's fine. Oh, that's right. What? Anyway, the the point I'm trying to make is when I do compose an email. Mm. And I'm reading it to my father. He goes, no, no, hold on. Let me take a look at it. And then I'll spend a couple minutes at the computer kind of fixing up the wording. And then next thing you know, I'm looking at what I originally composed, and it's a completely different paragraph. <laughs> That's like the exact opposite of that us. Is the exact, <laughs> that is literally the exact opposite of me and Jordan. Like, I will spend all day making this great post or this great graphic. 20 and, minutes. Or and so. Jordan's like, I hate it. It's <laughs> your, your English is all wrong. You, you know, the, the grammar the, the grammar's terrible. On. So you're, you're, you're the opposite of us. But keep going, Alec. Yeah, and in terms of what I love the most, to, to be completely frank, I just I, it, and it might sound cliche, it's just the family aspect of it. I enjoy having my father as my boss. I enjoy having somebody that I can consult on a personal level outside of the office space. Uh, and it's wonderful that my, my grandfather also owns a factory, so whenever he's in town, we'll go over there. about a block down from us. And we'll have a couple cigars and just talk business. And it's just there's something nice about that atmosphere. Uh, it really sticks with me. And it's very memorable. All right, Lewis, talk about working with your son as a, as a business partner. <laughs> he, he gets to work too late. Um, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I've been working on it. I have, I'll be honest. I've been working on it. Lazy kids. <laughs> no, he can't lie about it. You're right. My cousin says he can't lie about it. He can't lie about it. Um, he gets to work a little bit too late, uh, but I got to give him credit for this. He goes above and beyond to try to make me proud of, of his efforts. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, when, when COVID hit and we were hurting because March, very March and April were pretty putrid for the, the Cuevas brand and we weren't really moving a lot. The factory wasn't doing anything, we're shut down. So it, it was a nightmare, right? And a lot of companies went through this. This young man stepped up and said, out of his own accord, of his own accord, he said, listen, Dad, uh, I don't think I should get paid. Uh, I, I think that uh, I, I should take a break on this. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I deserve to get the paid right now. And, and because, you know, we're, 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 we're sort of hurting. And Jordan, I, are Jordan, are you listening to this? Yeah. <laughs> take a cue, son. <laughs> that, 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 that stuck with me. Right? I thought that was uh, that was really mature of him and, and cool and uh you know, it's it's always a pleasure to 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 work with him. Sometimes I think that I I'm telling him about some ideas that I have, and it's uh, a fine line between reprimanding as a dad and acting as a boss. So uh, that that's a little bit challenging, but it's a blessing. He's a hard worker. Uh, he goes above and beyond. Uh, he 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 tries to learn new things all the time. He's open to suggestions. He has great ideas. Uh, I, I can't say enough about him. And we've gotten to the point where when we were traveling, when COVID didn't exist, where I had simultaneous events, let's say here, uh, I had to go to Arizona and, uh, there was one, let's say in Jacksonville, Florida, and we, we'd split, we'd divide and conquer. And it's awesome to have a representative of the company, not just a sales rep, not just a marketing director or a sales director, but somebody that carries the name and actually would sit there and do it. And then the, the people meeting him are going, okay, I'm meeting Alec Cuevas. He's the fifth star on the band itself from the Reserva group. Uh, he is, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we have stars on both the original line, the core line, there's four there. So it's great grandfather, grandfather, my dad, and then myself. And on the Reserva, we've got the fifth star, which represents Alec. Uh, and if you look at the, uh, the country seals that we have in the core line, it starts with Spain, then it goes to Cuba, then it got Dominican Republic, which is where the brand was born. And now in the reserve line, we have the U.S. seal on there because Alec was born in, in the U.S. of A. So all of those things, when he's able to sit there and meet people and talk about it, that, 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 you know, that moves the needle a little bit. I think people feel, feel comfortable with that. And I've gotten phone calls from perfect strangers that I've met him at an event in Arizona or uh, Texas or wherever we've been. And I've said, listen, I'm calling you to let you know that I met your son at an event the other day. You weren't there, but what a great kid. He represents the family well, represents the brand well. True stories. 
and that's that's really 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 cool. So it's awesome. I'm very proud of them. I don't want to, you know. Yeah, Monday I want you there at eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can I can sense the the, the love. It's it's awesome. It's charming. Uh, all right, final question for you guys as far as family goes. Uh, ten years from now, Lewis, where do you see yourself? And then ten years, Alec, where do you see yourself? Uh, what do you see yourself doing in ten years from now? Ten years from now, I see myself looking at Alec run the company and uh, <laughs> and me uh, taking a bit of a break. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I not not at all. I, I think ten years from now, I'd like the I'd like the the brand to be a household name. The the way the some of these great brands are. Like you, you mentioned a, a Padron or you mentioned a Fuentes or you mentioned Espinosa. Everybody knows them, right? And they've earned their keep. Uh, I'd love to be in that position. I, I'd love to be. Hey, have you smoked a Cuevas? And the answer is no, but I know who they are. Or the answer is yes, and I love them. Or the answer may be yes, and it's not my cup of tea, but you've heard of me. You've heard of the brand. You've heard of us. So I, I'd like to be there. I, I, I really, really would like to be uh, a, a brand that's that's known. Please be wrong. I'm about, you know, we're selling so many more SKUs, so many more sticks. Talking about just being mentioned within that realm of, of really well-known brands, it would be an honor, and uh, I, I'd be flattered by that. I'd like that. I agree with my father. Actually, he took the words right out of my mouth. I think having that footprint is extremely important, and that's something 10 years down the line that we're going to gradually work towards. Uh, I'm still in school, and uh, once I, I do I do finish my, uh, I'm going to get my undergrad uh, next year, and then I'm debating law school, so I have some oh, study hmm. to go within a couple Yes, yes. So... With all that in mind, I do want to be continuously in this industry. I want to be as influential as I can. For example, for a lot of the young individuals, I have a lot of my younger friends as of right now that are starting to get into cigars. And a lot of that in due part is because they'll come over. I'm having one outside and they'll come and join and be like, hey, can I try one? I'm like, yes, of course. Um, I want to really make our footprint stand uh, and more than anything else. And I think 10 years down the line from now, hopefully, as my father said, we'll be Kind of like uh, as big as uh, or not as big rather, but you'd hear about us as much as you would Puente or Oliva or, uh, or General in general. Yeah. So. Well, Alec, just be careful. You know what the Bible says about lawyers. So I just just throwing that out there. Just, just, just be careful. Well, hey, you can find whoever stole the cigars and prosecute yeah, exactly. them. That's, that's there you should be go. the goal. I right, I can't thank you guys enough for joining us on Smoke Night Live. I follow this family on Facebook because I love this family. Like the Cuevas family, I can just sense the love and respect that they have for one another. There's very, you know, obviously the entire cigar industry, there's a lot of family-oriented companies Emmett. Yeah. But like this is one of these this is one of these families that you can just sense the the uh, it's it's genuine and and that's what I appreciate so much about you guys. There's you know the answers that you gave tonight on the show. They're genuine. They're not a, a sales pitchy kind of answer. And I just really appreciate the the time that you took tonight on Smoke My Life to to introduce yourselves to the the dojo community once again. And I just appreciate your guys' time and 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 following you guys on social media. It's it's a, it's a joy to me. Thank you very much. And, and by the way, same to. To you and, and Jordan, man, it's uh, it's really really cool to watch you guys work together. Uh, I I don't think I've ever seen you guys apart, and uh, it's I, I, I envy that in a, in a positive way. Okay, don't 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 take it wrong. I think that's phenomenal. You guys work really well together, and, and you've done a great job raising phenomenal. your children. So congratulations. I'm working on getting adopted here. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, <A> new brother. <laughs> okay, folks. So uh, this has been episode 260 of Smoke Night Live. We were joined by Lewis and Alec Cuevas on a fantastic episode. Another another episode where we got to the, some cool backstory, Emmett. Awesome. And and that's the fun part of cigars. There's so many interesting stories that intertwine with one another, and and it's family oriented and whatnot. Uh, in uh, Wednesday's episode of Flavor Odyssey, Jordan, they yes. will be smoking the Herrera Esteli from Drew Estate. I like that. Those R's. Did rolling you, them. Did you see how Woo! I rolled that R? That was pretty, pretty good. The Herrera Esteli. I don't know what they'll be pairing yet with. Last week, what did we do, Jordan? We did a, uh, a Davidoff late hour with scotch. Scotch. Way too smoky. The, our scotch... I mean, Easy too, on the peat. Too, too, too much. Boys. Yeah, you were, well, you were with the peatiest scotch out there. I know. <laughs> I did. And We're working with what we, we have on the show. Yeah. So. Uh, next week on Smoke Night Live, I'm super excited. We're going to have the Bourbon Junkies. I don't know if you guys have seen these guys. 
They have an amazing YouTube channel. It's called the Bourbon Junkies. Look them up. They're cigar fans as well. And they've got a massive following in the bourbon industry. So we're going to be talking all things bourbon next Friday night on Smoke Something My talking Life. about. I literally cannot wait uh, for that show. It's going to be a blast. As far as tonight goes, it's Friday night, Jordan. Oh, we're doing now playing, boys. We're going to do some yeah. now playing. Remember, <laughs> on the dojoverse.com, do some now playing. We want to hear what you're listening to. We want to see what you're smoking. We want to see what you're drinking. We're going to be partying. Earn some belts. I want to see some white belts I'm going to get my up. belt tonight. And we're going to be partying deep into the night. <laughs> Don't <brother>. we always? <laughs> yes, uh, we will. So uh, thanks to the Cuevas uh, father and son team of Lewis and Alec, and we appreciate everything you guys do and represent in this industry. Until next week, remember... Never smoke alone. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. <laughs> Introducing the all-new Romeo y Julieta Passion. The story of this cigar dates back almost a year, during a visit to the Flor de Coupon factory in Honduras. We witnessed the endless amount of passion and love the workers put into each and every cigar. This hand-rolled cigar uses a blend of Dominican and Honduran filler tobaccos, along with a rich and flavorful binder from the U.S. The wrapper is a zesty Ecuadorian Habano leaf, that offers up notes of pepper, leather, nuts, and a dash of cocoa. Ignite your passion and pick up a box of the Romeo y Julieta Passion at jrcigars.com.